This is a Dynamike Network podcast. Zach here at the top of the episode to bring you the trailer for the newest addition to the Dynamite Podcast Network family, Console Combat. So check out this trailer and then we'll get into the episode. Hello gamers, are you ready to dive into a video game podcast unlike any other? Then look no further. Welcome to Console Combat. I'm John. And I'm Dean. We're here to give you the info on the latest releases, upcoming titles, and everything else that's making waves in the gaming universe. That's right, Dean. But that's not all we do here at Console Combat. Each week, we'll put two video game characters against each other in our epic battle simulator, Cortex. After a brief speculation, Cortex ultimately determines who would emerge victorious by running 1,000 battles in its adopted Monte Carlo simulator. Who has the mightiest punch, the fastest speed, or the most cunning strategy? On console combat, we'll put that to the test. Essentially, we're a multiversal Super Smash Bros. style podcast. So whether you're a casual player or a hardcore gaming enthusiast, there's something for everyone here at Console Combat. So grab your controllers, strap in, and let's get ready for some action. Welcome to the Senjo World Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, and today I have with me special guest, my old podcast partner, and new member of the Dynamite Podcast Network, Mad Trivia John. Hey, hey, what is up? What is up? And this is a podcast where I take two anime characters, run their stats, and pit them against each other in a thousand matches to see who ultimately wins. And this week, I am bringing Madara Uchiha. Madara was the legendary leader of the Uchiha clan. He founded Konohagaru alongside his childhood friend and rival, Hashirama Senju, with the intention of bringing about an error of peace. When the two couldn't agree on how to achieve that peace, they fought for control of the village, a conflict which ended in Madara's death. Madara, however, rewrote his death and went into hiding to work on his own plans. Unable to complete it in his natural life, entrusted his knowledge and plans to Obito shortly before his actual death. Years later, Madara would be revived only to see his plans foiled and ultimately and finally realizing the error of his ways and making amends with Hashirama before his final death. Uh, and I am bringing to the table Ryumen Sukuna, uh, or otherwise known mostly by just his, uh, I assume it's his last name, Sukuna. He is the strongest Jujutsu sorcerer from a thousand years ago. Regarded as the undisputed king of curses, Sukuna is one of the primary antagonists of the Jujutsu Kaisen series. According to legend, Sukuna was an imaginary demon during the Helan era, but in truth, he was a sorcerer also known as the Disgraced One. Jujutsu sorcerers of the Golden Age of Jujutsu gave their all against him, but ultimately fell one after another. Sukuna existed throughout the ages by transforming into a cursed object after death. A state where he split his power into 20 indestructible fingers. That's a lot of fucking fingers. Yeah, he had, he had four arms. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. 
Sukuna was incarnated in June 2018 when Yuji Itadori consumed one of his fingers. Sukuna was trapped inside Yuji's body and was rarely in control until he managed to transfer his soul into the body of Megami Fushiguro. And yeah, so these two characters are absolutely insanely powerful in both their respected universes. Like, Madara was Mr. Shit Disturbed when, you know, the beginning of the whole Naruto series, and Sukuna is just a complete and utter pain in the ass for Yuji throughout the entire Jujutsu Kaisen series. And at the moment, in the manga, Sukuna is doing big things. Like, he just killed Gojo, he's doing his thing, right? So, yeah. I love, I love both of these characters, so this is going to be a very interesting uh, matchup. Alright, so with that out of the way, let's jump into our characters, backgrounds, and powers and abilities. So, as you're the guest, I'm going to let you go first, John. Oh, you're too kind. Over a thousand years ago, Sukuna was a human sorcerer that had killed many of the sorcerers from the Golden Age of Jujutsu. After Sukuna had died, his fingers became cursed objects. One of Sukuna's fingers was kept in an outdoor thermometer box at Sugisawa High School. The school's occult club had taken the finger from the thermometer box and tried to remove the seal placed on it. Once they had the seal of the finger off, other cursed spirits that the finger had drawn in attacked the club members. As Yuji Itadori and Megami Fushiguro came in to save the club members, Yuji eats the finger in order to fight off the cursed spirits. This causes Sukuna to be incarnated into Yuji, which he is excited about. As Sukuna plans to start a massacre, he is stopped by Yuji who reclaims his body, which surprises the cursed spirit that he is able to resist the, his control so easily. When Megami plans to kill Yuji to exorcise Sukuna, Satoru Gojo shows up and decides to test out Yuji's will. Sukuna is then given control of Yuji's body and starts to attack Gojo, but Yuji manages to take back control after 10 seconds. The next day, another one of Sukuna's fingers is shown to Yuji, with Goji explaining how there are 20 of them and that they cannot be destroyed. Yuji then eats another of Sukuna's fingers and is able to still keep Sukuna under control. This guy got a taste for fingers, huh? Well, that's the whole weird premise of it. Like, so the fingers, as you stated, are cursed objects. So... Oh. Itadori, uh, or Yuji, will eat eat the fingers, and basically every finger he eats, it, it like unlocks more of Sukuna, essentially. So, days later, when Yuji is brought to the Tokyo College, Sukuna finds out that Gojo is not the leader of the sorcerers and says how he is disappointed. Sukuna also tells Gojo that he will kill Gojo first when he takes over Yuji's body for not killing Yuji right away. As Gojo says that it's an honor to be targeted by Sukuna, Gojo then explains who Sukuna is to a curious Yuji. Okay, so unfortunately, I guess I didn't write it in. So, what? Um, so the reason he eats the fingers is because that's what traps Sukuna's power, and to basically eliminate the fingers, right? Because they're indestructible, is to basically let Yuji eat all of the fingers, and then they'll kill Yuji, and that'll basically destroy the cursed objects because it's absorbed into Yuji's body. So if you kill Yuji's body, it'll kill the curse and kill Sukuna. So that's the whole premise of the fingers. Uh, so he's kind of like sacrificing himself. 
basically yes right so when i actually get around to doing the yuji episode it'll probably probably go a little bit more in depth into that but i do believe we speak about it more so in the gojo episode we talk about why he has to or gojo tells him why he has to eat the fingers right so i do believe we cover that in that episode okay during an investigation at a detention center, Sukuna is forcefully given control of Yuji's body to combat a special grade cursed spirit before it kills them. Instead of taking on the spirit, Sukuna decides to fight with the spirit in order to take out Megami. When the spirit starts to attack Sukuna, Sukuna easily blocks the attacks and easily overwhelms the spirit. Sukuna then decides to teach the spirit a lesson and uses his domain expansion to easily cut the spirit into pieces. Sukuna then takes back his finger, which causes the spirit to die. Sukuna is prepared for Yuji to take back control, telling him to switch already, but when nothing happens, he eerily smiles, realizing he can't. Sukuna meets up with Megami outside of the detention center and removes Yuji's heart so that Yuji won't be able to switch with him. Sukuna then eats the finger that he had just got from the special grade cursed spirit and plans on killing Megami. Sukuna and Megami start to fight, whereas Sukuna easily defeats some of Megami's Shikigami, yep. though he is impressed by the skill in which he utilizes them. Sukuna manages to push Megami into a corner, questioning him on why he focused on fleeing, which confuses Megami. Nonetheless, Megami decides to fight seriously, which greatly enthuses Sukuna, but before the fight can continue, Yuji regains control from Sukuna, which results in Yuji's death. After Yuji has died, Sukuna and Yuji start to fight one another within Sukuna's territory. Sukuna easily overpowers Yuji, and after restraining Yuji, he, t he tells him that they are not dead yet. Sukuna proposes to bring Yuji back to life with the condition that he will be able to take complete of his body for a minute, but also swearing he won't harm any of his friends when he does. Yuji rejects and tells him to just revive him, so Sukuna proposes that they fight and the winner get their deal. Yuji accepts, but Sukuna immediately defeats him. Yuji is subsequently revived, aware that Sukuna is responsible, though with no memory of the deal he had made with him. On a mission when Junpei slowly dies from Mahito using his idol transfiguration on him, Yuji desperately asks Sukuna for help saving Junpei, but Sukuna sadistically refuses and mocks Yuji for relying on him when things get tough. Sukuna and Mahito then laugh at Yuji for being unable to save Junpei from his cruel fate. This would result in an enraged Yuji trying to finish off Mahito to avenge Junpei's death. During the fight, Mahito tries to attack Yuji with his idol transfiguration, but Sukuna appears warning Mahito not to touch his soul again and forces the curse out of his territory. However, Mahito set taps into Sukuna's again upon witnessing Yuji breaking into his domain to help Kento Nanami. Sukuna senses that Mahito has touched his soul again and brutally wounds him for attempting to mess with him. Sukuna's finger is then collected and brought back to the college. The fingers that are at the Tokyo College are collected, along with the death painting wounds 1 through 3 by Mahito. After Sukuna is incarnated, the finger at Yasohachi Bridge awakens and starts to kill people. Megami manages to defeat the spirit that has Sukuna's finger and retrieve it, which Sukuna is glad that Megami was able to get stronger. After Yuji and Nabara Kugisaki reunite with Megami, Sukuna creates a mouth on Yuji's palm and eats the finger when Megami gives it to Yuji. Days later, Sukuna taunts Yuji about how his awakening is killing people because he had eaten one of his fingers which Yuji simply tells Sukuna as the Shibuya incident occurs, 
Gojo is sealed in Prison Realm by Sudo Gito, and the next step for the Cursed Spirits is to deal with Yuji and Tsukuna. Mahito and Choso want to kill Yuji for their own reasons, but Jogo wants to release Tsukuna. They decide to make it a game to see who succeeds in their goal. After Yuji's fight with Choso, Tsukuna comments on how pathetic it was that Yuji could have lost to an inferior opponent, but is surprised when he suddenly stumbles away, sparing his life and leaving him unconscious. Right after this, Suguru Gito's subordinates, Nanako Hasaba and Mamiko Hasaba, approach Yuji and force-feed him one of Tsukuna's fingers that they had collected. Jogo then appears behind them, scaring them away and proceeding to force-feed him the ten fingers that they had collected, bringing the total Yuji had ingested to fifteen. While Jogo still has his fingers around Yuji's neck, Tsukuna takes control, demanding the cursed spirit to take them off. He commands the three to kneel before him, and cuts off the top of Jogo's head when he only takes a knee. Tsukuna asks Nanako and Mamiko what they want with him, giving them one finger's worth of time. They ask him to kill the imposter possessing Gito, but he simply kills the both of them, as he doesn't like them ordering him around. Tsukuna then asks Jogo, but Jogo says that he wants nothing and explains how he just wants Tsukuna to be fully revived. Jogo explains how Yuji can't take control right now and advises that Tsukuna made a binding vow to permanently take control, but Tsukuna rejects it since he has other plans. Tsukuna then makes a deal with Jogo. If he can land a hit on him, then he will kill everyone in Shibuya minus one, which Jogo agrees to. Tsukuna then fights Jogo and completely overwhelms him. Tsukuna taunts Jogo while easily dodging all of his attacks. As Jogo uses the maximum meteor attack, Tsukuna notices several sorcerers and curse users on the ground preparing to flee. He suddenly appears before them and forces them to all stay put until he gives the signal. They all stand around fearing for their lives as the attack gets closer, before Tsukuna eventually allows them to move right as the attack lands. Jogo thinks he's succeeded. Tsukuna easily comes out of it unscathed. Tsukuna wonders why Jogo is not using his domain, which Jogo says that his domain would lose. As things get interesting, Tsukuna starts to use fire-based attacks, much to Jogo's confusion. Tsukuna prepares to continue his fight with Jogo and sub subsequently defeats him. As Jogo is dying, Tsukuna meets with him and explains how Jogo is weak for trying to be like the humans. As Jogo agrees with him, Tsukuna ex also explains how he had fun fighting Jogo and should be proud. Jogo starts to cry and wonders what it is which Sukuna says that he doesn't know. Suddenly, someone shows up to escort Sukuna, which he wonders who they are, only to recognize the person as Urami. Suddenly, Sukuna senses the Megumi has summoned a powerful Shikigami and tells Urumi, I'm gonna mess that up every freaking time, that he has something to do. Sukuna tells Urumi that it won't be long until he is completely free, and that Urumi couldn't neglect their preparations. He bids them farewell and leaves. Tsukuna quickly arrives at the Shikigami's location and saves the sorcerer that was facing off against Megami. Tsukuna notices the situation and thinks about how it was a good idea to save them since his death would result in Megami's death as well. Tsukuna heals Megami and tells him not to die yet since there is something that he needs Megami to do still. Tsukuna thinks about how he'll defeat the Shikigami that would void the ritual since he is an outsider. Tsukuna then prepares to face the Shikigami. Tsukuna starts to fight with Maharaga, and if you want to know more about that fight, go check out the more recent episodes of the anime. 
As everyone is in the midst of dealing with the Cullen game, Yuji and Megami seek out Hana Kurusu in hopes of using her cursed technique to free Gojo from the prison realm. They succeed in finding her, but her symbiotic partner Angel tells them that they first have to track down and eliminate the Disgraced One. In private, Sukuna reveals to Yuji that he is the Disgraced One and that they are referring to, causing a problem for him and Megami. After Master Tenjin becomes compromised by Kenjaku, Yuji and Megami begin their attempted counterplan, starting with rescuing the latter's sister, Sumiki, from having to participate in the game by giving her points. However, right after doing so, she uses her points to allow people to freely travel through colonies, revealing herself to actually be a reincarnated sorcerer known as Yorozu, leaving Megami completely speechless. She flies away, intending to fight Sukuna, but before everyone can react, Sukuna activates his Enchain Binding Vow with Yuji, granting him complete control of the body without being able to harm anyone for a full minute. He quickly knocks Hannah unconscious, and taking a gamble, rips off one of Yuji's fingers. Sukuna laughs maniacally, realizing that Yuji didn't take himself into account on one who he couldn't harm. And before Megami can do anything, he chokes him out, force-feeding him the finger and transferring his consciousness to Megami. So yeah, basically that's how Sukuna now goes from Yuji's body into Megami's body. Right? So now Megami is now is the one possessed with all the power of Sukuna. It doesn't really make sense that Yuji had to eat a whole shitload of fingers, but one finger put into Megami's mouth is able to basically transfer over all the powers of Sukuna. Yeah, that seems a little strange to me, but you know, anime logic. So currently, Sak you wrote Sakuna. Oh, Sakuna. Oops, my bad. Currently, Sukuna fought and defeated Gojo. If you want to know more about that fight, go check out Gojo's episode versus Lucius Zogratis. After the battle continues, Sukuna slices through Gojo's arms and torso, defeating and killing Gojo by cutting into the space, although he congratulated him for his efforts. Afterwards, Hajime, Hajime Kashimo rushes to engage in combat with Sukuna as he comments for him not to disappoint. As he battles Kashimo, he reveals Yorozu's gift to him, the Kamutoke, a cursed tool that discharges electricity. He eventually gets overpowered by him due to his cursed technique, forcing Sukuna to go back to his original form due to the injuries he received from his fight with Gojo. Sukuna easily overpowers Kashimo, beating him down with his four arms. He begins chanting as he uses Dismantle as Kashimo comments that it was the slash that finished Satoru Gojo. It was the slash that cut the world. Sukuna mentions that the fool once preached to him about love and that she claimed that he didn't know love. Sukuna says that she could have done better preaching to Kashimo or Gojo. Although Sukuna says that there's not much they can understand, he asks if Kashimo was strong and begins repeatedly punching him again. As Kashimo gets blown away by Sukuna's attacks, Sukuna begins to use his slashing attacks and shapes it like a grid to cut down Kashimo, killing him. After his fight with Kashimo, Sukuna sees Yuji and Higuruma jump down the sky, ready to fight him. And mm. that would be his background. Yep, and that is basically up to date in the current manga. So that's what's popping off right now. So it's getting interesting. It's getting interesting. We're finally going to see what Yuji's power is without right so this whole time i believe during the culling game he was going through some training arc and he kind of unlocked his own cursed ability now so he's finally going to reveal it against 
Sukuna, and it's going to be interesting because there's a lot of theories out there and, you know, all the backstory, but I will talk more about that when we finally do a Yuji episode and we can, you know, cover more of that. So right now, yeah, let's get into his powers and abilities. So I didn't go over this earlier, but his classifications are the King of Curses, Jujutsu Sorcerer, and the Disgraced One, and his powers and abilities are superhuman physical characteristics, statistics amplification, energy manipulation, enhanced senses, non-physical interaction, soul manipulation, master hand-to-hand combatant, regeneration, healing, limited body control, explosion manipulation and fire manipulation, poison manipulation, power nullification, homing attack, fear manipulation, Possession, resistance to soul manipulation, biological manipulation, heat manipulation, poison manipulation, darkness manipulation, energy manipulation, water manipulation, shockwave generation, he's a motherfucking bender of everything, and summoning. And those are his powers and abilities, and they're quite the list there. Oh yeah, he can do a lot of shit, and uh, so can the character that I am bringing. But yeah, right now, Sukuna's going off in the anime, and it's absolutely insane. All the stuff that I've sent you, that's basically right up to date. That last fight when you asked me, like, what the hell is going on? It's when he's fighting Maharaga, and it's absolutely, absolutely insane. So, yeah, it seems kind of wild. Yes, it's, it's, going, it's going pretty off the chain, right? Yeah. So, with that out of the way, let's jump into my character's background and powers and abilities. Madara Uchiha. Okay, so Madara was born during the Warring State period and was the eldest of Tajima Uchiha's five children. Madara and his siblings grew up on the battlefield waging war with the Uchiha's rivals, the Senju. Three of his siblings died young, leaving Madara with only his younger brother, Izuna. Madara and Izuna became very close through their shared loss and constantly competed with each other to get stronger. This combined with his naturally strong chakra enabled the young Madara to defeat adult Senju in a battle and develop a reputation as a genius. During his infrequent downtime, Madara met a boy his own age named Hashirama. The two quickly developed a friendly rivalry be it skipping stones or urinating in rivers. Like Madara, Hashirama was also a shinobi who had lost his brothers on the battlefield. Together, they imagined a world where children like themselves wouldn't need to fight. As a precaution, Madara and Hashirama did not divulge their family names, but nevertheless discovered each other's identities. Madara was an Uchiha and Hashirama was a Senju and it was their duty to kill each other, even if they were friends. Needing to choose between his family and his dreams of peace, Madara chose to end his friendship with Hashirama so he would have no reservations over killing him in the future. A resolve strong enough to awaken his Sharingan. And if that sounds familiar, you heard a very similar story when I was telling Hashirama's background. Now, Hashirama and Madara are very intertwined. I'm probably going to be going over uh, a lot of the same stuff that I did in the in, in the beginning of Madara's background. So over the following years, 
Madara and Hashirama continued to meet in combat. Madara could never defeat Hashirama, even after acquiring the Mengyakyo Sharingan, and Hashirama could never bring himself to kill someone he still considered a friend, resulting in a constant stalemate between the two that lasted decades. In time, both Madara and Hashirama became leaders of their respective clans, a position Hashirama tried to use to broker peace between them. Although some of the Uchiha found the offer increasingly tempting, Madara refused due to Izuna's death at the hands of Hashirama's own brother, Tobirama. Despite this, some of the Uchiha defected over to the Senju clan out of self-preservation. Madara then used Azuna's eyes in order to gain the eternal Mangekyo Sharingan and restore his deteriorating vision. With this new power, he waged one final assault against the Senju and was summarily defeated. Rather than kill Madara, to bring the error of war to an end, Hashirama offered to kill himself if it would stop the fighting. Madara was moved by Hashirama's gesture and finally assented to peace. The Senju and the Uchiha and all of their affiliated clans came together to found a village of peace where children would never need to die in battle. Madara and Hashirama rekindled their childhood friendship and Madara named that village Konohagaru, seeing it through leaves. But Madara's idea of peace differed from Hashirama's, where Hashirama envisioned cooperation with other newly formed villages, Madara desired control so the peace could never be lost. Evidence by his attacking Iwukagura's Mu and Anoki so that they would submit to Konoha's authority. When Hashirama was elected as Hokage, Konoha's leader, Madara also became concerned for the Uchiha's future, believing this to be but the first step in the Senju's dominance. The stone tablet Zetsu altered had been in the Uchiha's possession for generations and was brought with them when they settled in Konoha. Through careful study, Madara was able to decipher enough of it to learn the history of Shinobi, of the endless cycle of failed peace and the destiny of battle between the Uchiha and the Senju, but also a means of unity for the world. With this knowledge, Madara decided Konoha was a failed experiment. He tried to convince his own clan and even Hashirama of the same conclusion, but none would hear him. Madara chose to abandon the village, attacking Konoha on multiple occasions, later returning with the nine-tailed fox under his control to challenge Hashirama. They fought to exhaustion and, and from the carnage of their battle, the Valley of the End was formed. In the end, Madara was killed by Hashirama. News of Madara's death spread fast and his corpse was secretly hidden to keep anyone from finding it and, and profiting from it. But Madara had planned ahead. He had scheduled an Izanagi to activate sometime after his death, changing reality to bring him back to life in exchange for his right eye's vision. Meanwhile, Black Zetsu had spent unspecific length of time hiding itself inside Madara's body, allowing it to later deceive Madara into thinking 
he had created it. After being revived, he left a copy in place of his real body and went into hiding with a special trophy from his fight with Hashirama. A mouthful of Hashirama flesh that he transplanted into his wounds. It was not until decades later, towards the end of Madara's natural life, that the cells had any effect, awakening the Rinnegan. With the Rinnegan, he was able to summon the demonic statue of the Outer Path, which he used to cultivate a mindless living clone of Hashirama, from which he believed he had produced a white Zetsu army. Over the years, Madara had perfected his plans for peace in what he called the Eye of the Moon plan. But as his years waned, Madara knew he couldn't complete his plans in, in the time he had left. So he transplanted his Rinnegan into a young Nagato without the boys knowing, intending Nagato to someday use the eyes to restore Madara to life. If Nagato was to do this, however, Madara would need an agent to act on his behalf and guide Nagato towards this ultimate goal. Madara waited, connecting himself to the demonic statue to keep him alive until someone could be found. Madara spent this time keeping a close eye on Konoha to find a suitable pawn to take his place. During the third shinobi, Madara found a badly injured Obito. Madara used Hashirama cells to replace Obito's damaged extremities and placed a forbidden individual curse tag in Obito's heart as a failsafe in case Obito ever turned against him. Until then, Madara began working towards corrupting Obito. He had Kirikagure kidnap the girl Obito loved, Rin, Rin Nohara, and seal the three tails into her. He then manipulated events so that Rin would die at the hands of Obito's friend Kakashi Hayate while Obito watched. Driven to despair, Obito offered his services to Madara. Madara divulged to Obito the history of the Sage of Six Paths and the Ten Tails, the details of his Eye of Moon plan, and various techniques that Obito would need moving forward. As a final act, he left behind Black Zetsu, what he believed to be the manifestation of his will, to provide additional guidance to Obito in pursuit of this goal. With that, Madara disconnected from the demonic statue and, with his dying breath, entrusted Obito with his name, Madara Uchiha. At the end of the series, Tobi, aka Obito, acting under Madara's name, moves into the final stages of the Eye of the Moon plan by initiating a fourth Shinobi World War. Before the wars start, Kabuto approached Tobi to try and form an alliance. When Tobi asks what will happen if he refuses, Kabuto resurrects Madara to show he knows that Tobi is not the true Madara and forces him to accept. Tobi reluctantly agrees and Kabuto desummons Madara. During the fourth Shinobi World War, Kabuto decides to use Madara against the Allied Shinobi forces and uses Mu as a medium to summon him to the battlefield. When he first becomes aware of his surroundings, Madara believes he has been brought back by Nagato's outer path, Samisara of Heavenly Life Technique, but soon realizes that 
he has instead been brought back with the impure world resurrection. Kabuto speaks through Mu, introducing himself, and explains recent developments in the world and Toby's current actions. After Kabuto points out that he has restored Madara to a state beyond his prime, Madara tests his new body, tearing through the fourth division, thinning its numbers. The fourth division's initial attempts to stop Madara fail as he protects himself with Susano. When the fifth Kazekage, third Tsuchikage, and one of Naruto Uzumaki's shadow clones combined efforts, Madara is forced to activate his Rinnegan and absorb the attack. Realizing his enemies were too dangerous for him to hold back to basic ninjutsu and taijutsu, Madara pulls down a meteor from the atmosphere. When the Kazekage and Tsuchikage successfully stop it, Madara adds a second meteor to his attack, both of which fall upon and devastate the 4th Division. With most of the 4th Division dead, Madara questions Kabuto about just how far off plan Toby has gone, because Kabuto doesn't actually know much about the plan. Madara is left to check things for himself, and tries to summon the Ninetale, only to discover it is sealed in a Jinjuriki, specifically Naruto. Despite knowing the current Naruto was a clone, he decided to delay his plan to test out his new powers, namely the wood release Nativity of Tree. Nativity of Trees, which Naruto's clone barely counters. He then moves in to finish off the remainder of the 4th Division, but is repelled by the arrival of the 5th Hokage, the 5th Mizukage, and the 4th Raikage. The five Kages combine forces against Madara and propel him from the immediate area. By the time he returns, Naruto's shadow clone is gone and the five Kages remain his only opponents. They battle for some time with Madara equaling and besting the Kage's efforts. When he is hit with the Tsuchikage's dust release detachment of the primitive world technique, Madara's armor is torn away, revealing the implant of Hashirama's face on his chest. Madara laments Hashirama's legacy that these Kages have inherited, having been completely unimpressed by their attacks, particularly those of the Hokage, Hashirama's granddaughter. Madara then creates 25 copies of himself and has them each activate their Susano. By nightfall, the Kages are still alive and are able to pull their efforts so successfully that he is nearly sealed. Finally impressed by their display, Madara responds by summoning his perfected Susano. Before he can use it to kill the Kages, his Susano starts to fade and Madara is engulfed in light. Madara realizes that Kabuto has elsewhere released him from the impure world resurrection and his soul is returning to the afterlife. Madara responds by performing the hand seals to rescind the impure reincarnation contract that Kabuto has over him, enabling him to return to his immortal body without further interference from a summoner. Now, able to do whatever he likes and bored with the Kages, Madara decides to find Naruto and reclaim the Ninetales. The Kages try to block his escape, but are absolutely decimated. And for those wondering, the Kages are basically the 
leaders of their respective villages. So, after defeating the five Kages, Madara finds himself reunited with Obito while he engages in combat with Naruto, Killer B, Kakashi, and Might Guy. Madara notices the demonic statue undergoing a premature transformation into the Ten Tails and scolds Obito for being too hasty. After Obito returns Madara's gunbai, Madara creates a wood dragon in an attempt to capture Naruto and Killer B and complete the Ten Tail. He, at one point, manages to restrain and drain B of his energy, but is overwhelmed by Guy's daytime tiger. The Ten Tails is revived before he can recover, forcing Madara to make do. He and Obito leap onto the Ten Tails' head and connect themselves to it, granting them control of its actions. Their four opponents put up resistance, but are no match for the Ten Tails' power. Before the Ten Tails can finish them off, however, the combined ally shinobi forces arrive to join the fight, with Ino managing to control Obito into redirecting the Ten Tails' attack. The allies are able to immobilize the Ten Tails, making it an easy target. The Ten Tails undergoes a new transformation before their attacks can connect, freeing it and letting it block the incoming attacks. Though the immediate problem is solved, Madara realizes there's another issue. The allies are being controlled too effectively. He and Obito direct the Ten Tails to attack the distant allied HQ something that takes several tailed beast balls due to their lack of control, which Madara attributes to Obito's failure to revive him correctly. Although the ally's brain is killed, the allies are given one final battle plan in the time it takes for the Ten Tails to hit its target. Obito and Madara try to thin the ally's number before they can get into position, and when that fails, block against the oncoming attack. But the combined forces manage to break through and separate Obito and Madara from the Ten Tails. With the Ten Tails now out of their control, they must fight the Alliance directly. Obito eventually disappears, disappears to the other dimension, forcing Madara to fend for himself. During Obito's absence, Madara senses that Hashirama has elsewhere been brought back to life. Excited at the prospect of fighting his rival again, Madara eagerly awaits his arrival. When he arrives, Hashirama sends only a wood clone to face him, being too busy restraining the Ten Tails. Madara decides to sit out the fight until the real Hashirama is ripped. When the wood clone persists, Madara easily defeats it. Madara later senses Obito's return to the battlefield and decides to make use of one of his failsafes, activating black receivers planted in Ob Obito to force him to finally revive Madara. Obito resists and instead seals the Ten Tails into himself. He is further frustrated by this setback. Hashirama is no longer preoccupied, so Madara forces him into a fight for two reasons. His simple desire to fight his rival once again, and he also plans to oppose Obito and take his place as the caster of the infinite Tsukuyomi. To accomplish the latter, however, Madara needs Senju Chakra, which Hashirama has. As their battle rages, Hashirama tries to convince Madara to postpone, but Madara repeatedly refuses. Nevertheless, he keeps track of Obito's progress 
and growing control of the Tentails' power. After Obito is de after Obito's defeat, Madara is restrained by Hashirama's wood dragons, and the alliance moves in to seal him. With Obito no longer the Tentails' Jinjuriki, Madara puts another failsafe into effect, Black Zetsu. Having been in contact with it since his initial reincarnation, Madara orders Black Zetsu to take control of Obito's body and use the outer path, Samisara of Heaven's Life technique, to res restored to life, Madara is able to regain his past strength to which he breaks free of his restraints. Having died with his real eyes intact and removed from the body, Madara's reincarnated eyes crumble to nothing. Sasuke attempts to burn Madara with Amaterasu, while Naruto reminds Sasuke that Madara can absorb ninjutsu. Madara, however, had to discard his armor that was burnt by the flame. To compensate for his blindness, he immobilized Hashirama black receivers to absorb the Senju Chakra, enhancing his sensory skills, enough to perceive his enemies and their attack without need of sight. He is once again attacked by Sasuke, but instructs Sasuke to stay out of his way since he does not want to kill his own clansmen. Madara goes after the free-tailed beast so that he can revive the Ten Tails once more. He attempts to take on all nine at once failing and losing his right arm in the process. While he regroups, a white Zetsu clone brings one of his Rinnegan that Obito had kept in storage. Madara takes this and one of Zetsu's arms, allowing him to start round two. He summons the demonic statue from Obito's body and uses Limbo Border Jail to repel the Nine Beasts. Before they can recover, he seals all of them into the demonic statue, including those sealed in Naruto and B. While the statue undergoes its transformation into the Ten Tails again, Madara asks the Zetsu clone how Black Zetsu is faring and taking his remaining Rinnegan back from Obito. Tobirama Senju, having been reincarnated alongside Hashirama, attacks Madara immediately afterwards, but is restrained after failing to deal any damage. Sasuke also attacks Madara, but is immobilized in midair. Having already warned Sasuke once, Madara turns Sasuke's own sword against him and stabs him in the chest. With nobody left to oppose him, Madara seals the Tentails into himself once it is resurrected completely. Pleased with himself, Madara sets off to regain his other Rinnegan, Along the way, he spits out the Benihai Sago and Kohaku no Jihei Obito, having used both as part of his premature revival method. When he arrives at Black Zetsu's location, he discovers that Obito has regained control of his body. Madara tries to reason with Obito, reminding him of all they planned and insisting on the impending effectiveness of the Eye of the Moon plan. Rather than be convinced, Obito stabs Madara and, and manages to steal fragments of the One Tails and the Eight Tails chakra from him before using Kamui to escape with Naruto and succeeds in casting the infinite Tsukuyomi.
The entire world is trapped in a dream and then wrapped into Madara's God Nativity of World Trees. Sasuke is able to save Naruto, Kakashi, and Sakura from the infinite Tsukuyomi. Seeing them, Madara announces himself the world's savior. One who has saved the world from itself by replacing the hells of reality with the heavens of dreams. While he proclaims his victory, Black Zetsu stabs him in the back. Black Zetsu reveals that it is not Madara's will, but Kaguya Otsutsuki's, and that he has taken advantage of him in order to bring about her revival. Black Zetsu transfers from Obito's body to Madara's body, completely covering him and forcing him to start absorbing the chakra trapped in the infinite Tsukuyomi. After dramatically increasing in size, Madara shrinks down until a revived Kaguya is revealed in his stead. Naruto and Sasuke eventually seal Kaguya in her own dimension, along with Black Zetsu, at which point she reverts into the Ten Tails and spits Madara out. The Sage of Six Paths summons Madara and everyone else back to the real world, but he can do nothing to save Madara from his approaching death as a result of having both the tail beasts and demonic statue removed from his body. Madara uses his remaining time speaking to Hashirama, noting that his own dream for peace has died while Hashirama's lives on, and therefore was apparently the better of the two. Hashirama replies that they are still friends despite everything, to which Madara agrees as he died. And yeah, that is Madara's backstory. It's quite long, but yeah, I feel like you kind of need to know all of it to get more of an understanding of Madara's story. Like, he's trying to be a good guy, but he's doing it in the wrong way. His powers and abilities are superhuman physical characteristics, acrobatics, chakra manipulation. He is a master hand-to-hand -hand combatant. He has statistics amplification, surface scaling and water walking, after image creation, stealth mastery, speed enhancement, minor illusion creation and duplication, shape-shifting, paralysis inducement, breath attacks, necromancy, fire, air, water, electricity, and earth manipulation, extra-sensory perception, uh, weapons mastery, attack reflection, summoning, limited telepathy, immense pain tolerance, his Sharingan gives him enhanced sight, analytical prediction, information analysis, and power mimicry, empowerment, light manipulation, minor astral projection, illusion creation, mind manipulation, paralysis inducement, sleep inducement, perception manipulation, memory manipulation, also subjective reality. And his Mengyakyo Sharingan just amplifies all those abilities. Plus, he gets or an aura, soul manipulation, non-physical interaction, weapon creation, and he also has regeneration, absorption, sealing, analytical predictions, resurrection, 
chain manipulation, intangibility, invisibility, levitation, true flight, yin and yang manipulation, light manipulation, energy manipulation, matter manipulation, reality warping, existence erasure, limited power nullification, limited invulnerability, and is resistant to absorption, status effect inducement, extreme heat, fear manipulation, madness manipulation, transmutation, mind manipulation, feeling, death manipulation, age manipulation, disease manipulation, and poison manipulation, deconstruction, existence erasure, power nullification, paralysis inducement, body puppetry, and possession. He is resistant to all of that stuff. And yeah, so Madara is absolutely insane when it comes to how many freaking abilities he has. He has so many different forms, and then every time he resurrects, he keeps gaining powers from that point on. So yeah, he is absolutely insane. So what do you think about that, John? What do I think? I think you roped me into a fucking one-sided kick-ass fest. I feel like you you, you just, you're choosing me to, to, to jump off and prove a point. <laughs> Maybe, a little bit. <laughs> you, son, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, I did it, I, thought, I did I it to Ice. I did it to Iceman last week, so... But it's gonna be a good match. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's... All of the, the stuff that I've seen Sukuna do, it was, it was pretty impressive. I, again, I have no point of reference for either character besides what I've seen in video form for Sukuna, because I didn't watch anything on your guy. I honestly don't even remember his name right now, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> you um, disrespect the Uchiha name? You will so pay. sorry. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I, hope, I hope your bark is bigger than your bite. Oh, my bite is um, much bigger. Oh, uh, damn it. Oh, well. I guess we'll have to find out in uh, this, uh, this speculation. Yeah, so with that being said, let's jump into the speculation. So the speculation is just something fun that we can do to imagine how one of these simulations would play out, essentially. Right? Because, you know, it's just boring if I just, all right, here's the backgrounds and run the stats and your winner is, right? So this just gives you a little imagination. So with that being said, these characters are about you know, 20 meters apart. Who do you think would go first? I mean, I don't know if you would know who would go first. So to be honest, I would, I don't know. They both kind of would stand there and talk shit, shit for a little bit at the beginning. But I feel like Sukuna would make the first move actually i want I, I kind of think that from what i've seen sukuna do he would kind of challenge this new person to be like better like I, I noticed that he likes to say this this one line a lot and i know you're gonna appreciate the fact that i caught this it's gumbare gumbare which means come on keep trying basically mm -hmm. I, I really feel like he would antagonize I'm sorry, what's his name? Madara. I feel like he would antagonize Madara uh, to try to get to have him attack first. But see, 
Madara is the cool, calm, and collected guy that would stand there with his arms crossed and be like, eat shit, bitch, and just kind of stand there and laugh. Because Madara knows oh. he's superior. Madara has that superiority complex, right? Like, he would oh, just okay. stand there and be like, yeah, you ain't shit. And, like, he wouldn't even, like, he's like, I'm Madara. I don't have to prove nothing. Okay. Uh, like, who, like, who are that. you? <laughs> Who can always see that? And obviously, you know, he, he smiles at everything pretty much for Lenny. Well, see, that's, and, and that's, the, that, that's the other thing. I think that would annoy Sukuna. That's why I think Sukuna would go first. Because yeah. the cockiness of Madara would just kind of trigger Sukuna. Because Sukuna kind of has a little bit of a fragile ego when it really comes down to it. Yeah, it, it does seem like that. Like, he, he seems to get set off pretty easy. And uh, on, on that, I feel like he says. I'm just going to say it my way. I, you think that, or he would say something to the effect of, you think you're better than me, and or something like that. And then he would smile and lunge, but not move, just stomp forward, and he would do a cleave slice at Madara. Okay, good. I got it right. All right. So, you send a cleave attack, and these attacks are invisible, of course, right? Yes. But that's when you just, you know, he activates his Sharingan, and then he activates his Rinnegan. Actually, I'll just say he he activates his Rinnegan in one shot, you know? Just boom. So, with his Rinnegan, he's actually able to see the energy of the Slash. So he just, you know, limbo ducks right under it, stands back up. Arms are still crossed, by the way. Like, he's still just standing there with his arms crossed. And he just kind of laughs. Then, he just grabs a whole bunch of like ninja tools like kunai and shuriken and he just hucks them all and so with that that would definitely you know have sukuna's attention sukuna's not that egotistical where he'll just stand there and take damage right so he'll be distracted so he'll be distracted trying to dodge all these like sharp objects and with that madara would just jump in the air and do some hand signals and just shoot out a giant when i'm talking about like a giant fireball just boom smash into sukuna okay sukuna has this thing with fire that a lot of people might not have known about it's relatively new from what i understand but fire doesn't seem to bother him uh in fact he sees this fireball coming and he decides that he's gonna fight fire with fire and launch his own fireball back at the fire that is flying in his direction. Okay, so we have a clash of fireballs right now. Uh, yeah, Great yeah, balls yeah. Anime style. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay, so Madara's like, hmm, interesting, right? You know, in his condescending voice. And <laughs> he's like, okay, dodge this. And you just see him just shoot this, like, lightning-like spear out. And... You know what I mean? It just pierces right through, like, Sukuna's shoulder and just slams him into the ground. I mean, yes, you know, he's, he's obviously sees lightning coming in. It's it's probably... Madara probably thinks that this is going to actually get Sukuna. But Sukuna has Shikigami for everything, it seems, and including electricity on the list. Nue is an electrical bird. And I feel like, I don't know enough about New Aim, but I have the suspicion that electricity wouldn't really affect him all that much. So I think Sukuna would summon Nue to 
basically absorb the electric shock attack that is coming at his direction. And then he would send Nui directly back at Madara to strike full force. Okay, so this ugly-ass bird is flying towards Madara. <laughs> it is an ugly-ass bird. It is <laughs> very the ugly. ugliest fucking bird Pokemon I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it's, it's terrible. It has, like, a humanoid face. It's, uh, yeah, with a mustache. It's weird. But, Madara would be like, hmm, true. But, so Madara would more than likely kind of be like, huh, right? And he's, you know, he's familiar with summons. You know, he's not really taken back by this ugly bird. He's seen some, you know, ugly summons of his own. So Madara, right, he's still, like, in the sky, right? He's just kind of standing in the sky because, you know, he could fly. Mm-hmm. Or I guess float, right? No, he can fly. So, yeah, so Madara is just standing in the sky still with this ugly bird coming towards him. So Madara just kind of dashes forward and kind of flips backward, like or, or flips like forward, and using that momentum, brings his foot around and just heel kicks this fucking bird square in the face, just absolutely just obliterating it. And you see it just kind of turn to kind of like shadow mush and just fall to the ground and just dissipate so new way is now out of the battle shadow mush i love the description of the bird <laughs> right um follow up by you just see Madara just kind of spit up these like boulders and just like shoot a whole bunch of like boulders from his mouth at sukuna okay yeah, Sukuna laughs at this and he just legitimately stares at the boulders and they just disintegrate as he dismantles them. And, and much unbeknownst to Madara, a shadowy serpent has arisen behind him and basically just lunges and just grabs him up and starts basically ensnaring him as a snake do. Okay. So Madara is getting wrapped up by this snake, serpent, whatever. And, you know, he's dealt with snake. I'm pretty sure that Uchiha have this kind of deal with these snake sages in the Naruto universe. So he's no, he's no stranger to snakes, right? And he's just like, huh, whatever. And he ends up just using his Sharingan to create Amaterasu flames, which is a black flame that is, you're unable to put it out. So it just burns this snake away killing it and removing it from the field. And now Madara is getting pissed off and you see him kind of do some more jutsu, hit the ground, and he summons his fan and a scythe, right? So now, yeah, so now my boy got some weapons. So he uses the fan to kind of create a gust to kind of knock Sukuna off his, like, off balance. And then he just takes the scythe and just and slashes into Sukuna. Madara decides he wants to use once again a physical object to attack someone who clearly has no issue with just dismantling those physical objects as they come within his presence. So uh, yeah, that that scythe of his just basically dusts in his hand. Um, and now Sukuna knows that he can use weapons and that he can fight from a distance, but he hasn't tested. Madara's combat capability and Sukuna is in fact a master hand-to-hand combatant so he starts trying to lay them hands and he just starts going to town in anime style fight 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 okay well Madara 
Modern is like, oh damn, you fucked up. He's like, do you not know who I is? I'm a goddamn ninja. I got these hands for days. I fight 50 ninjas at a time, bro. Let's do this. So him and Sukuna are throwing hands. Like they are just going back and forth. And Sukuna cannot land a hit on my boy Madara because, you know, Madara's got his Rinny Sharingan and basically he can foresee all the attacks coming in at him. So he's able to easily dodge and he's legit just piecing up Sukuna. Like he is just hitting him with bombs. Like he's dodging, boom, boom, two piece. Dodge, boom, boom, two piece. And he's just beating the shit out of Sukuna. Sukuna made the wrong choice here by wanting to go hand to hand. And Madara is showing him he made that wrong choice. Uh, I mean, Sukuna can take a beating. He's not, he's not by any means not deserving of the king of, I'm sorry, was it the king of curses? <laughs> I mean, yeah, the king of curses, the disgraced one. He doesn't just get these names by happenstance. He's he's quite capable of taking himself and, and handling a, a beating from somebody even as strong as Madara. So he, he's recognizing that he can't quite handle that uh, level of fighting with Madara. So he's gonna well, he back off. He realized he fucked up. <laughs> and it was at this moment he knew he fucked up. Yeah, so he's gonna he's gonna do his little speed movement backwards, and um, he is going to manipulate the area around him to utter darkness because he does in fact have the ability to create darkness essentially, uh, or rather beings out of shadow, and there's plenty of shadow around. Uh, because that would clearly be the circumstances in which these two would fight. Um, and he's going to use those shadow creatures to essentially form a wall to hide him from Madara while he regenerates a little bit. Madara's like, what is this trash? And he just does some more hand signals and just shoots another giant fireball, just making a nice big hole in this little fence. And as he passes through, he... He does his, he does a, he does a wind release and he just kind of does these two slashes as he passes through and he just eliminates all of the little shadow creatures, like with some wind slashes. So he's kind of okay. using uh, Sukuna's attack, kind of like, you know okay, how Sukuna... Okay, yeah, right? yeah. So when he gets through, unexpectedly he sees Sukuna with his hands, on, well, more like kneeling with a hand on the ground, smiling in his direction. Because he wasn't expecting this, he was expecting him to be just standing there, still healing. Um, what what Tsukurai is doing is he's cleaving the ground directly, causing the ground around him to explode, and he's aiming it directly for Madara. Madara sees this kind of, you know, earth explosions coming towards him, and he's just like, huh an earth jutsu and you know he does some more hand signals like he does because that's what ninjas do and he hits the ground and he basically summons his just manipulates the ground turning it to sand which stops the momentum of the explosion just completely countering the ground explosion okay and then you know doing some more ha hand signals does a mud jutsu and basically just sends like a wave of like just mud and then it just kind of like forms around Sukuna and just kind of hardens, trapping him in place. 
Okay, so you just basically once again used an inanimate object to encompass Sukuna, who has shown that he can just cut through pretty much anything. So, once again, just shatters this bubble of mud around himself, and as he does so, you see him doing a couple of hand gestures of his own. Um, he does one, and you don't see anything happen, but then you see another, and Sukuna goes, you keep trying to use all these things that I can just break. Gumbare, gumbare. Keep trying. And then he does another hand gesture and an elephant, Shikigami, pour up, forms from the shadows in front of him. And while also spewing water in the direction of Madara, trying to basically assault him Blastoise style, he starts charging directly at Madara. The elephant does. Okay, yeah, so because the elephant has water power, yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. Alright, so, don't forget, there is a whole bunch, there's like a whole big sand pit in front of Madara, right? So a lot of this water is just kind of getting absorbed. So, basically, you're just wetting Madara's feet. But, you know, Madara, being the badass that he is, you know, uses his chakra and he can stand on top of water. My boy is legit. And walk on water. So, so Madara is now on top of the water, and you know the this elephant's just spraying water as it charges forward. Now, I don't think elephants are a big thing in the Naruto universe. So, let's say he's unfamiliar with this creature, and Madara, you know, I'm telling you, Madara's a savage. So Madara is just gonna be like, huh, stupid animal, and he just ninja runs forward and jumps in the air and just punches straight through this elephant just turning it into more shadow mush oh okay so big mistake landing on the water because once again a shikigami is going to form below you this time from the water it is the toad and it is going to wrap its tongue its long tongue directly around madara and rip madara down below the surface of the water okay okay so Madara's underwater and, you know, I don't think that really does much because it's not a One Piece character, so... <laughs> I was trying to drown him, basically. Yeah. So, alright. So Madara's getting pulled down into the water and he's like, oh, what is this shit? And he pulls out a kunai and he just whips it down with, like, full force and it just pierces one of the eyes of the frog. Right? And the frog oh, just kind of dissipates. And the frog dissipates. Alright, yeah. and so after the frog kind of dissipates, Madara just swims, you know, swims up. Now he's back standing on top of the water, again with his arms crossed. And he's like, you are starting to annoy me, flea. And <laughs> for some reason he still has his fan, right? And he just uses it and just, you know, causes another big, like, gust to just kind of push Sukuna back. And, and then he, you basically just see him, like, kind of this black orb kind of just form around him, and then it just cracks away, and then you just see Madara, and now he's all, like, in a white outfit, and his skin is pale white, and he has his little black staff, and there's these black orbs that like kind of surround his back and those are called truth-seeking orbs 
and those are basically little mini black holes. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, with that being said, he is uh, he is an Uchiha. Fire is his thing. So he is going to do a phoenix, kind of phoenix bomb, and it basically is four, four or five separate kind of like fireballs that kind of have wings. So, you know what I mean? It's kind of like phoenix, and they move kind of differently. They don't move just like a straightforward fireball, right? And they come in, and they just start smashing into Sukuna. All right, so he's going to see these orbs coming, and he's not going to be familiar with what they are. So he's going to summon They look like, well, no, they have they have wings, so they do take a, the form of like a bird. Oh, it's okay. not just right, like a Yeah. Even more so fun than this than this will be. Uh, a f- a f- load, a metric fuck of rabbits just start appearing out of nowhere. Um, and they start essentially kamikazing them, themselves into these orbs to stop them from getting to Sukuna. As he smiles and says, no more Mr. Nice Guy, or whatever he would say in that situation. Um, and he just unleashes a barrage of cleaves at this newly transformed Madara. Madara sees these like attacks coming towards him, and he goes and while he's in this new form, he has four, and like he has these four clones, and they're called like Limbo clones, and they're basically just invisible, but they're as strong and as powerful as Madara, maybe a little bit weaker. And so he uses one of his Limbo clones to kind of jump in front to see if. You know what I mean? He can block one of these attacks, and the Limbo clone just gets cut down instantly. So Madara very quickly uses his truth-seeking orbs and just kind of spins them around in front of him, just kind of making like a, a shield, essentially, and basically stopping all of Sukuna's attack. And then with that being said, he sends two of the truth-seeking orbs right over and just hitting Sukuna in both of his shoulders, just absolutely tearing off Sukuna's arms. Sukuna ain't got no arms right now. I'm going to assume that Madara doesn't know this, but Sukuna just regenerates these arms faster than Piccolo out of uh, a fight with Goku in the early days of Dragon Ball. Uh, Legit, just right through. Um, And he's already making hand signals. Um, Sukuna recognized the fact that these uh, things came out of nowhere, and one of them absorbed a bunch of those cleaves. So... A dog appears, one of his divine dogs, which can detect curses. And I'm going to say that your uh, limbo creatures are going to count under curses. And will obviously define, the divine dog will in fact notify anything, uh, notify rather Sukuna if anything gets close to him. So now, with the dog by his side, the frogs form again. Except this time there's like probably like a dozen of them, maybe even more. And they all just lash out and start holding on to Madara, uh, holding him in place. As earlier, I mentioned that I that Sukuna had done a, a hand gesture that seemed to do nothing, but it wasn't nothing. It was actually him doing the piercing ox Shikigami, and he he set it as far back as possible because the farther back the, the charge, the more powerful the hit. So as the frogs are holding Madara in place, that ox that's been running for probably three straight minutes now just pulverizes Madara in the back, launching him straight forward probably hundreds and hundreds of feet. But when the ox makes contact with Madara, you just kind of see a poof of smoke and a log go 
sent flying. And this confuses Sukuna because he's like, what the fuck just happened? And Madara used a shadow clone. So that ox hit absolutely nothing and wasted its full charge. With that being said though, Madara pops his arms out of the ground. So Madara was hiding underground and he pops his arms out of, ground, out of the ground and he pulls this ox into the ground and basically just traps it in there, essentially just immobilizing it, removing it from the battle. Okay. And then he gets up and he just kind of charges forward and just starts like swinging his staff, you know, just slapping and smacking the shit out of Sukuna. Okay. So in defense, obviously we've recognized by now that Sukuna does not need his hands to use his cleave and dismantle. So piece by piece that staff is breaking and bit by bit blood is coming off of Madara as he's getting too close to not be slightly cut up by the attacks. Also though, he is doing some physical gestures with his hands as this assault from Madara commences. And nothing seems to happen at first. And then all of a sudden there's a stomp and Madara gets grabbed from behind as the eight-handed sword divergent Sila Divine General Maharaga appears and just basically attempts to rip him in half from behind. Alright, so Maharaga is grabbing onto Madara, attempting to rip him in half, and as Maharaga just kind of tears Madara apart, or I guess in half, Madara just kind of poofs again and he used another shadow clone. So Madara is, you know, above the fight, kind of looking down at Maharaga, and he's like, what is this beast? And he goes and he attempts to just start throwing hands, and he's like beating the shit out of Maharaga. I think, I think it's gonna essentially just come to Maharaga and him are going at it while Sukuna is doing himself a little bit of recovery, and probably still trying to nip him from the side or behind wherever Madara is uh, with Cleve while he's also trying to recover at the same time until obviously Maharaga can fight no more because I'm guessing that's what's coming. <laughs> so these like Cleves and Slashes are coming over at us while you know Madara and Maharaga are throwing hands but you know Madara is a beast and like I said his eye his Sharingan abilities, the Rinnegan, like the Rinne Sharingan, are just so OP. So, you know, you basically you can't physically touch him. Like, you have to outspeed his vision. And his vision can basically see the future. So, you know, he's not being touched by Maharaga, but he's realizing that his blows are basically just doing nothing. And he's like, huh. So... He kind of uses his agility and just kind of places himself behind Maharaga as these slashes come in and uses Maharaga as the shield as the slashes just kind of cut into Maharaga. And then, so as he's being shielded by these, we see him just kind of summon his Susano armor. Now his Susano is this kind of like giant I don't know, like, it's kind of, like, made out of energy. Madara's is blue, 
right? And it's basically just like a samurai, giant samurai with wings, and they usually have extremely powerful weapons. So, and so as he uses Susano, he basically just pulls out one of his katanas and just slashes through Maharaga. And as he's slashing through, he's just like, basically Maharaga is just being evaporated as he's being cut in half because the blade is super powerful energy. So it's just burning Maharaga away. And so Maharaga is now off the battlefield. And he then whips his katana like a kind of like a spear straight at the kuna. I mean, it's uh, a big ass. A it's turn. a big ass sword. Yeah. Okay, and in a shot, in a shocking turn of events, that gets dismantled like everything else. Um, and uh, and I, I think uh, I think Sukuna's had enough. I think he is just going to he's going to use his speed to get because he is very very fast, and he's going to use his speed to get behind Madara and just hold him and with one hand cleave and with the other hand dismantle. Um, he's going to put one arm on each shoulder from behind and just basically com combine his two abilities to essentially dismantle and cleave Madara to death. Sukuna basically dismantles Madara, tearing him to pieces, and hey, once again, poof, we got a shadow clone. And, and so, so Madara pops out of the ground and kicks Sukuna in the back of the head, just sending him like tumbling into the ground face first and just kind of creating like a little crater. And as he's sick of the shadow creatures and, and all the shenanigans, uh, Sukuna will just look up and he will say, Malevolent Shrine. And around him, his domain will form and much like the fight with Maharaga, a barrage will begin of just assault after assault after assault in a visual spectacle that makes no sense to anybody whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> just flashes and slices and... Flashes and explosions and rocks and fucking just so much like art that's really cool but still kind of confusing. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that that is. Uh, I, I am gonna say that Sukuna's domain is, is too much for Madara and just overwhelms him. Okay, so Sukuna busts out his domain, which essentially just slices everything to nothingness and kills Madara. Or you just hear the Sharingan noise, and you've realized that Sukuna has been trapped in a Genjutsu this entire time. And Madara has just walked up to Sukuna and, with a sword and just cuts off Sukuna's head, killing him, ending this match once and for all. So... Oh, shit! I think that's a, a very good place to end this match. Either Sukuna busts out his domain and absolutely annihilates Madara, or Madara, from the jump, put Sukuna in a Genjutsu and just decapitated him, winning the so match essentially either, in an instant. So, either Sukuna cut Madara up, or Madara cut Sukuna over. Basically. Basically. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. So, all right, John. So, like I normally do with all my guests, I ask them, who do you think would win after, you know, going through the backgrounds, doing the speculation, learning about, you know, your opponent's powers? Realistically, who do you think wins this match? I mean, obviously, the biases aside, I would obviously generally speaking go for Sukuna because he was the person that I represented and you know that's how things go generally but I also know that you're a mischievous bastard and you had a purpose behind this fight and um, uh, I, I do believe that you have a vendetta against JJK and uh, I feel like this this was meant to prove that but uh, I guess we'll find out because I don't know enough about the animes to confirm or deny any validity behind the speculation. Well, it was it was dope. And, and don't get me wrong. I don't hate Jujutsu Kaisen. The thing that I hate about Jujutsu Kaisen is their fandom. Thinking that it's so amazing and they're so strong and Gojo and Sukuna, they could beat everybody. And it's like, yes, they're really cool characters, except Gojo. I, I, I can't stand Gojo, but that's besides the point. But you know what I mean? Like, Sukuna. Sukuna's dope. Like, I am gonna get a Sukuna tattoo very, very soon. You know what I mean? Like, I love Sukuna. But, you know, it's time the big three puts these new animes in their places, right? You put them, you pit these characters against each other, the big three blows all these characters out of the water. All these new anime, the so-called new big three, gets absolutely destroyed by the big three. The only big three. So yes, I do kind of have Vendetta, but at the same time, I really do like Sukuna. He is my favorite character from Jujutsu Kaisen. So yeah, I mean, I do and I don't, right? I hate, you know what I mean? Throwing my boy Sukuna under the bus, but it is what it is, you know? These youngins gotta learn. <laughs> yeah, shout out Miggy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Yeah, so I guess with that being said, let's jump into these results. Taka, results please. So the winner between Madara Uchiha and Ryomin Sukuna is... Madara Uchiha. Shocking. <laughs> like, yeah. So, but Madara won 884,000 matches to Sukuna's 116. So, oh my God. yeah. This was a, a slaughter fest. My boy Madara just washed Sukuna. Like, oh my God, he got... Madara beat the crap out of Sukuna so badly, like a lot worse than what my man Lucius did to Gojo last week. I'm just saying, you know? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say this. I didn't expect to be fighting fucking Superman with Batman, okay? Oh, I mean, you got a good point there. You got a good point. Uh, <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, so this was a slaughter slaughter fest you know 88.4 percent to 11.6 percent it was an absolute absolute stomp like stomp smush your foot and then wipe away the trash Madara was you like sakuna you mean more like suk ooh nah because you don't know who the hell that is anymore sakuna sakuna who 
right? I get you. But let's quickly run through these stats. We can run through this very quickly. Madara outweighs Sukuna in every aspect. There isn't a single aspect that Sukuna is better at than Madara. And the only thing that they are tied in is their fighting intelligence. Both are extremely intelligent when it comes to battle. So yeah, love that tracks. Right, like Madara was the founding, you know, father of Konoha, one of the most powerful ninja clans, you know, or ninja villages. Basically, been fighting his entire life. Like that's what they did back in that time. Is literally, as soon as you were able to hold a sword, you go out into the battlefield. And he was stated to be a genius when it comes to combat. And Sukuna has also been, he's been around for a thousand plus years, you know what I mean? So he's got some knowledge, he's not, he's not stupid, he's created this whole plan of how, how, even just how he got into Megami's body, he's not a dumbass. And yeah, so basically that's the only thing they're on par, if they played a game of chess, they'd be a coin toss of who would win. When it comes to throwing those hands, Madara is our champion. So, got anything to uh, say? Not surprised, honestly. It's sad, but I, I thought he was a very cool character, Sukuna. I, um, seeing the, the, the videos of the fights and actually getting context behind all those videos that came out like a year ago with all the gumbody gumbody. All that stuff was so confusing. Like, everyone was using it for transitions and whatnot. And I was like, what the fuck is this even? Like, wh what? And you sent me like three videos and i'm like oh all right well that explains that year old trend <laughs> yeah you know so yeah no i i ha i had a lot of fun these these two characters could do a lot of shit and it was it was like it helped push our creative boundaries i found with yeah. you know what i mean yeah creating the sand and doing all of that stuff right like all that stuff was was, was just fun to do right and yeah the balance of, of the shikigami was great like that, that, that back and forth was fun yes exactly right so speaking of fun this is actually my season finale episode so i'm taking the month of december off and i will be back at the beginning of january and yeah so i guess basically with all of that stuff out of the way let's wrap this episode up so this podcast is part of the dynamite network so make sure you check out the other shows on the network the dynamic dual podcast where they take a marvel character and a dc character pit them against each other to see who is the superior company and you know as i always do i'll let you in on a secret it's dc nope yes uh the nope from the uh marvel fan over there so <laughs> and this week they actually did loki season two so if you want to hear their thoughts about that make sure you check them out and then also check out the other show on the network the max destruction podcast where they take two action movie characters pit them against each other to see who is the i don't know superior action star right Who's the and, baller of the game? And this week they are doing King Arthur versus Luke Skywalker, which is a 
very interesting matchup, if I do say so myself. So, if you're curious to find out who wins between the two of them, go check out Max Destruction. Yeah, yeah, I'm very curious indeed. Uh, people will be, I think, surprised. And starting this Monday, we have Console Combat, who is a new addition to the Dynamite Network. And I am going to let John tell you all about that because he's your ho- he's the host. So take it away, John. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That is right. Console Combat coming out on Monday, and uh, I am one of the two hosts. The other host is Dean. He's a new addition to the Dynamite family as well. It's ba- it's basically the same concept. I mean, everyone in the Dynamite family is a battle podcast. Uh, as you said, dy- the dynamic duel is Marvel versus DC. You yourself as anime characters, and Max Max Destruction is action characters uh and i am bringing forth video game characters because it seems to be one of the few uh universes untethered to the network so far and it only seems right that it gets added to a very interestingly diverse and still somehow extraordinarily niche group of podcasts with the dynamic network with that we're actually releasing three episodes on monday Uh, first is nathan drake from uncharted versus lara croft from tomb raider series uh second episode is agent 47 from hitman versus Ezio aditore from assassin's creed oh my god you said it correctly yes i know it only took me a bunch of times hearing you say it and i'm sure neither of us are even slightly italian so it's even more hilarious no i got Um, i got portuguese i got portuguese in me that's as close as i get yeah i'm sure i mean i've got a couple neighboring countries but i'm pretty sure it's not italian (laughs) anyways um so yeah those two and then um, we elected to, because of the recent uh, remake release of Mario RPG, we did Gino, who is from Mario RPG exclusively, versus Ness, who is from Earthbound and more popularly nowadays from the Super Smash Bros. series. Um, so yeah, the, all three of those will be coming out Monday. Uh, look forward to them all. Please feel free to give a, a follow, a, you know, give your thoughts on social media. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok. All you got to do is fun. just look up Console Combat. It'll come up. It's the only one. Console with a K. Don't forget that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, those those were fun to do. And there are uh, so much more fun episodes coming down the pipeline. But before I forget, Zach, I mean, we did something and we haven't really talked very much about it. And I feel like that's coming out soon. So now this is probably a good a time as any to let it drop, right? No, I definitely agree. So with that being said, me and John came together to basically do a special crossover episode. Basically a... A crossover reunion. Basically. So we got back together representing the... Me, uh, <clears throat> the movie night with the boys podcast so we got together and we reviewed Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge and it was a great time I must say and I believe we are gonna get together you know maybe once a month maybe once every couple months and you know just release a little special episode doing our old movie night with the boys so stay Fun tuned for that Exactly, you know, nothing too serious, and that that episode actually comes out tomorrow on Friday. Yep, and that is uh, basically in lead up to 
uh, the release of console combat on Monday. It's kind of like a bridge between the two worlds. It, we're not really going to heavily promote it. It's kind of more like we did it for fun, but we will say, hey, it's here, and, you know, double check it out, make sure that at least feed us some thoughts on it. It was fun time, really fun time to do it, and um, incorporating the battle between Scorpion and Sub-Zero, which is something you didn't mention. Uh, at the end of the show was really fun um, and you certainly wouldn't want to miss uh, who won the statistical breakdown of Scorpion and Sub-Zero so yeah double you, you, you can't miss it you can't miss out there this reunion no that was that was super fun we finally figured out who is the superior ninja what is the better element fire or ice right you know we got some we got some truths right well I mean Tune in tomorrow to find out. So that episode will be dropping on Senjo World platform. So once again, keep an eye out for that. Me and John will be promoting it on both of our social medias. So that's going to be that's going to be really fun. Um, Do you want to tell them, though, John, about your other podcast a little bit more? Of course. Uh, so yeah, um, I, how could I forget the Mad Trivia Podcast, the show that's been going for a year now, and I mean, hell, since we're talking about that show, I got the rap results on that today. Top twelve, uh, top podcast for 12 people, I mean, awesome, not a number that I would have expected, hell, I wouldn't have even expected one, but cool, uh, top 10 podcast for 52 people, even better fantastic much appreciated thank you for all the love in that regard uh, mad trivia podcast is a trivia show for people who like their movies but think they know more than they do uh, i take one of their five favorite movies i do some really hard work on trivia finding really good deep questions making them have to think and then i put them to the ringer i try to give them as hard a questions as i can you know i don't want them to always be stumped but primarily i want them to be stumped zach's been a victim of mine it's always a fun time when we get to the Mad Libs. That's the primary fun for me, at least. The, the, we basically take a scene from the movie dialogue-wise, and we just replace some of the words, and it turns into oftentimes nightmare fuel for maybe the guests, sometimes nightmare fuel for maybe the people listening. Uh, it's it's always a fun time. It's always a good laugh. Please go feel free to check it out. Uh, Mad Trivia Podcast on Instagram and on TikTok. And, and if you want to be a guest in the future, please send a DM, send me an email, anything. I, I love having new people on. I love putting people to the test. I really think it's a good time. Uh, and I think you'll have a good time with it too. So yeah, Mad Trivia Podcast. Awesome. Yeah, so make sure you go check out all the stuff John's doing. He's doing quite a bit. With that being said, make sure you also check out the Senjo World social medias at Senjo World Pod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, X, whatever you call Twitter. And on YouTube, it is Senjo Play. And I just play random ass video games. So, yeah, I guess with that out of the way now, let's wrap this bad boy up. And I will see everybody next year. Sayonara. Deuces. Deuces.